Now we will have a sermon brought to us today by our pastor, Mr. Lawrence Gregory, entitled Fellowship. As some of you, I have uh, over the years attended several leadership conferences, training seminars, classes on leadership, etc. Today I want us to consider a balancing concept. I suggested uh, this uh, sometime back to another leadership conference that I was attending. I call it fellowship. Now this is a created word from two words. Follow is a verb of several varied uses, meaning basically to go or come after. And ship is a suffix forming a noun and denoting a number of things, the state or quality or character of a verb like follow. Follow is a verb, but when you add ship, it becomes a noun, fellowship. Now, we know from our grammar classes that a verb is a word of action or being, a word which uh, affirms or predicts something. That's what we learn in school, I, what a verb is. And then a noun we learned, of course, that it's a word used as the name of a person, place, or thing. We remember that, a noun, name of a person, place, or thing. So. Uh, some time ago, I thought I had created this wonderful word, fellowship. And I checked in all my dictionaries and Bible references and commentaries, and uh, I could follow, uh, I could find words of follow and fellowship and other words, but not fellowship. And uh, so I thought, well, I had created this word and this concept of fellowship. But uh, I thought, uh, about a week or so ago, I better check my Google on the internet and see. And lo and behold, in the last year or so, several others have got the idea, and it's in the internet, fellowship. Now, I don't know what their ideas or what they're presenting, uh, but I know what I'm going to present today. And I'd like you to follow along with me as we look a little closer at this uh, noun, fellowship. Now, I've got uh, three points that I want to share with us today. First is some direct biblical commands of positive action and benefit of fellowship. Second is some examples, positive and negative, in the scriptures of fellowship. And then some direct warnings of wrong fellowship. Now, fellowship as a word is not in the Bible. But this concept is that I'm going to share with us today. There are 269 references in six forms of the word follow. There are 84 words in the Bible for follow. There are 108 for followed. Following has 43 uses, followeth 15, followers 8, and followedst, followedst one time. 
Now, first, I would like us, in a serious way, to look at this word with some direct biblical references in positive benefit and action from fellowship. Now, I'm going to use the Bible word, follow, and let's turn to Matthew, the fourth chapter. We read here, one example is uh, in verse uh, 18, after Jesus began to preach the kingdom of heaven and to repent, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I counted from the scriptures 16 times, uh, 14 direct commands of Jesus to different ones, follow me. And I take that as something very important. When he says 14 times, follow me, and then there's two more references indirectly of following him that he spoke of that uh, we'll look at. I take that very important for us to follow him. Now, I don't, I don't believe that Jesus is really concerned about, uh, like, you know, you find somebody that's lost in the woods, and physically you say, follow me, and I want to lead you out of here. That's not what he's talking about, about a physical following him around. But he's talking about spiritually following him in the things that he says and does and believes and acts. And his whole being is not only asking, but commanding. Because he said, without any uh, if, ands, and buts, follow me. And then I'll do something for you. So, 14 times he says that. Now, two times that he says in general. Uh, let's look at John, the 10th chapter. You're familiar with this already. John 10 and uh, verse 27. Just break into this uh, words of Jesus here. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And then back up just a little bit. Now I know uh, Brian doesn't have this on the uh, internet there because I didn't give him these two verses. But back up to the beginning of the chapter there and where Jesus is speaking again. And look in verse 4. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice, they recognize him, his sheep recognize him, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now, I was watching the news uh, this week, a couple of nights ago, and they were mentioning about this couple that uh, a stranger that they had met at the store there has asking for some uh, a ride to his uh, friend's home and uh, he would give him directions so they got in the car with him and he took him uh, followed his directions and so when they turned down the alley in the dark alley uh, suddenly uh, the husband knew something wasn't right and sure enough the guy robbed them and stole their car so I think this is a good lesson to all of us don't let any stranger get in your car call a policeman call a cab for him offer offer some other help but never let a stranger get in your car and give you directions. Now, it didn't used to be that way. If we saw, you know, somebody like the Good Samaritan saw the person that was really wounded, really, this was a severe case. This was 
uh, a situation where everybody was passing by, but it was directly a person that needed help. And so he, he took him and helped him and paid for his uh, care and offered more if anything was needed. We can do that as a good Samaritan. There are a lot of things we can do to help people. But it might be a caution for us just not to listen and to check out everybody. You know, people have, a, especially cons, con artists, they got some wonderful stories. I mean, they can, they can spin a yarn and people that are gullible just go right along with them. And the other day I got a, I got a thing on the Internet, and usually I don't uh, open these, but it, it came uh, because of in a, in a roundabout way, and Richard tells me don't open them. I just junk them, all that stuff that I get usually. But this one I opened, and the lady was needing some help, and the help she was needing was uh, her husband had left her $5,500,000, and <laughs> she wanted to give somebody 15% to help her uh, get that worked out, you know and uh, just give her 15% commission and we could have the rest of the $5,500,000, whatever it was. I just deleted that real quick. And, uh, you know, we have to check these things out. And we even, you know, check Jesus out sometime and, and make sure that we're following him correctly as he says, turn on to uh, uh, John, the 12th chapter, verse... 26, as David said, I'm not going to go through the whole context of, uh, of uh, all of the things that Jesus is saying, but he uh, begins, verse 23, talking about his hour and the time that's, go that's going to be coming. In uh, verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there shall also my servant be. And if any man serve me, him will my Father honor. So if we're going to serve Jesus, follow Him. The way He goes and the way He leads. Now, He's more interested, like I said, in uh, us following Him spiritually in His life's example of righteousness, His doctrine of beliefs, His teachings, the way he lived truly in obeying God and following his commands. And so we are directed by Jesus to follow him and to follow him correctly in that way. Now, let's look a little bit, uh, because of uh, these uh, 200 and some references, can't share all of them with you, but uh, after reading through uh, all of them just several times over the last uh, few weeks as I've been uh, preparing this, uh, there are a lot of uh, important key things that we're leaving out, but uh, let's look at Paul's example here and uh, consider in 1 Corinthians 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. You already know what uh, Paul has said here. Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So he's just not saying, follow me, but he's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. So there's a comparison. So if anyone says, follow me, you know, if it's out of the woods and to safety, yeah, think about it. And if you want to, if you can trust them and it's uh, acceptable and you've got it all checked out, follow that person to safety. Person that says spiritually, follow me. We want to check it out and see, is that person really following Christ?
Christ, even as I follow Christ. First Corinthians back up to the fourth chapter. Verse 16. Wherefore I beseech you, be you followers of me. Now, follow Paul how? As he follows Christ. He's already told us that later in Philippians, the third chapter. So it's all right. You know, we have uh, spiritual uh, leaders. We have people that we uh, look to their example and we follow them. And uh, we uh, have to be very careful, though, that we don't get uh, overly committed to them and not to Christ and not to His way. In uh, Philippians, the third chapter, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. And then one other place, and I, I didn't give it to, to uh, Brian, and we won't turn there, but he was talking about be followers of the churches, some of the other churches. So churches, congregations, or groups. And they have a system and a way, and they have uh, uh, a spirit of that congregation. Jesus talks about this, and uh, there's an attitude, and there's a, a example of their conduct and how they uh, do. And so collectively, together, we can uh, look at the example of others in a right way and follow that example. And we can do that together as be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. And look at the people that are walking contrary and the people that are walking in harmony and the congregation, the group, you know, of believers, saints. We all should be walking together. Unfortunately, we, we know in this world, in this society, there's differences and uh, there's a separation. And so there are uh, personalities that enter into and... Uh, uh, projects and directions and organizations and we don't want to uh, get into all of that but we can of ourselves individually we can ask ourselves is this group that I'm going along with are they following Christ as closely as possible and am I in harmony with that and if so then God bless us and let's work together and, and have the right attitude and uh, to be followers of God, as Paul says here in Ephesians. Back up a little bit to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 1. Ephesians 5, 1. Be you therefore followers of God as dear children. Follow God. Now there are a lot of religions in this world. And... They have different systems of belief and they have different uh, terminologies and words for God and different beliefs. And those who have the truth and those who walk in the truth and know God, you know, we feel sad that there are many people that are confused and deceived and feel like that in the name of their God they want to kill and they want to maim and they want to uh, be disruptive and bring violence and 
make demands on women and children that we know, those of us who know Christ and know God and know the Father and know the doctrines and the commandments and the ways, uh, we don't agree with that. And we see that uh, there are wrong religions in this world. There's only one right, true religion. And we're willing, and unfortunately sometimes that religion is in the minority and people suffer opposition and persecution and we see that's happening more and more now. The Christian religion is becoming more uh, persecuted and more opposed, not only in the world, but even in our beloved America here. So it comes down to us to make that decision. Follow God, follow Christ, follow others as they follow Christ, and uh, we'll proceed and, and continue to look here. Now let's look at some other examples here. David is one. And back in 1 Kings, the 18th, the 14th chapter. 1 Kings 14 and verse 8. Go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, for as much, in verse 7, as I exalted thee from among the people, and made you prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David, now this is a word to Jeroboam, and gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments, and who followed me with all his heart, to do that only which was right in my eyes. But you've done evil. And so here's God's commendation of David that he followed me with all of his heart. And let's turn to Psalm 63. Now, David made mistakes, and he had sin in his life, as everyone, even Christian saints, have difficulties and problems that they have to uh, work out in repentance and follow God and in their way. But look here in Psalm 63, what David said in verse 8. Just drop down. My soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholdeth me. That's something we can ask ourselves. You know, How hard, how diligent, how severe, how strongly are we following God? Is our fellowship of God, regardless of what good benefits or blessings that we might receive, do we just, you know, some people just follow him for what they can get out of it. Uh, others follow him no matter what. We, we can look back at and read books like Fox's Book of Martyrs. You can go into uh, Halley's Handbook and read of the persecutions and the oppositions and the death of people over the years who have given their life for this Christian way and who have believed in Jesus Christ and have suffered persecution and opposition and have made that decision. And in their life, they were following hard after God. That's something that we can ask ourselves. How strong is my commitment to Jesus Christ? Because those of us who are living in the next few years, brethren, we're, myself, those are going to have to make decisions. When the things are changed in our Constitution, when the things are changed in our nation, in our nation and we have to make a decision 
to go along with the crowd or to stand maybe alone and continue our beliefs in God's commandments and His ways. How hard are we? How strong is that commitment and that decision that we've made? I hope and I think that most of us have made that determination and that decision that we're going to follow hard after God. In 1 Peter, 2nd chapter, verse 21. Now, you know, it's interesting that Peter wrote a lot about this. All of his life, you know, he was, he was very bold and a spokesman. And remember, and I mentioned this earlier, how Jesus is puzzling, but he said to him, Peter, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And so that's what he did after he was converted, received God's Holy Spirit, even after all of the service and the years that he had been with him. Uh, then when he received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and he had to grow in grace and knowledge and understanding and commitment and he began to share that in uh, a couple of books of writings and here in 1 Peter uh, I said 2.21 I believe for even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And then in verse 13 of chapter 3, And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? That which is good. You know, uh, the word good comes from God. The word God. That which is good. That's why we're told not to say to a heathen person, God be with you. And I try not to say a person that's carnal or converted or a problem, try not to say to them, goodbye, so long or I'll see you later. Because I don't want to say God be with you if they are going out in their evil. And so Peter, his emphasis after he was converted in his ministry to others in the lead and the, and the uh, direction. You know, it's interesting that uh, leadership and fellowship go together, don't they? It's said that uh, a good leader must be a good follower. And so if a person is going to be really effective in leading, they need to really be effective in following the right and the true and the good. And so we're all commanded here and encouraged by Peter to follow that which is good and to follow in Jesus' steps, which was certainly good. Now, there are others, uh, other examples in the scripture. Uh, let me just read a few here. You can go back and you can search these all out of uh, examples of followers or following. Uh, good or bad, good and good or bad examples. And following by or to, uh, following a person or a person. The example is of them following someone else, good or bad or whatever. The disciples, churches, Abimelech, Absalom, Ehud, Rebekah, Baal-Zephon, the Philistines, Jesse's three sons followed Saul. Saul, Ahithophel, Gehazi, Jehu, Jeroboam, Adonijah, 
people, multitudes, a stranger, Issahel, Abner. You can go on each one of those and more. You can take and look at the biblical example of them following correctly or following God or following someone else incorrectly and wrongly. And so we have a lot of illustrations, a lot of examples of both positive and negative that we could spend a lot of time looking at to help us in our decisions of who are we following, why are we following, and uh, who's leading us, and what is their example? Is it good or bad or correct or wrong or right? We can, we can ask a lot of those things. We should be. We should be examining those things very carefully and asking ourselves, lest we be led astray, you know. Someone says, come on, I'm going to follow, follow me. Yeah, it's okay. Where are you going to lead me? Who are you? What? Why? You know, where? Check it out. Can probably save our life sometime, maybe. Save a lot of uh, pain and agony and a lot of uh, mistakes. Now, some direct warnings of wrong fellowship. Second Peter First chapter, verse 16. Peter said, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Merry Christmas. What did you get for Christmas? I don't observe Christmas. Sometimes there's a follow-up, oh yeah, why? Sometimes it's just they don't want to know. Cunningly devised fables. Easter. Halloween. New Year's revelry. Now, I know collectively... We don't observe those, but there's a time and a place. Sometimes it requires just a silent passing over and saying nothing. Sometimes we need to take a stand and say, I, I don't observe that. I'm not, I don't recognize that. I'm not involved in that. And one of my sons was talking the other day, uh, and he had, um, was remembering as a youth and some of the things that you know, when they were children in the church, not observing Christmas, and other kids, you know, ridicule and laugh and scoff. And some of you probably have, uh, maybe when you were uh, in childhood and you didn't uh, observe Christmas, and the other kids in school was uh, asking you uh, about your Christmas presents and maybe ridiculing you because you didn't or because you went to church on Saturday or uh, a lot didn't uh, believe in the Easter Bunny. You know, children have to... Uh, go through a lot of persecution opposition in those doctrinal beliefs that we as adults have gone through or we as adults face now. And so it takes a strong child and it takes a lot of understanding and uh, our prayers and help on them to encourage them to make a stand and to not compromise and to not follow cunningly devised fables. You know, I love children. I was a child once. But you know, there is so much directed to children. 
commercials, TV. I saw the other day uh, a, a commercial, uh, you see, I don't know what you call them now, but you probably know what I'm talking about. These things the kids put on their feet, and they're like animals, and they walk, and they open up, and floppy, floppy shoes of some kind, and they make that very attractive to children. And they, I see some of our kids around here have lights on their shoes when they're walking. And that, that's okay. I'm saying that's okay. But think of the appeal to children for Santa Claus. They're putting the appeal to Santa Claus. You better be good or bad or you won't get something from Santa Claus rather than putting the appeal to God and to the family rules and to what's right, the Ten Commandments, and to Jesus Christ. And they're transferring all of that to Santa and his elves and we know we've been through that, and it's hard for children to deal with that, I know, and it's very difficult for them. But, you know, we pray for them, we encourage them, and that's why we have here Sabbath classes and uh, teaching and, and our parents that say, no, that's the way it is, and, and, and firm, and we're not, going to, we're not going to compromise, we're not going to put up a, a tree and call it a holiday tree. It's a Christmas tree, and it's condemned in the Bible, and so uh, it's tough. Peter says we don't follow cunningly devised fables. There's so much today in the movies about uh, the occult and uh, uh, what is it, Harry Potter stuff and uh, all of this subtle things that are coming in to the family and to our beliefs about uh, legends and fables and, and uh, just things that are not true scripturally correct. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's go on to uh, Luke, the 22nd chapter, verse 54. I think I probably got out of order just a little bit here, uh, Brian. Uh, Luke 22:54. This is uh, an example that's repeated uh, several times uh, concerning Peter, verse 54. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. This is Jesus. And Peter followed afar off. Peter followed afar off. This is the way some are, distant Christians following afar off. How close, how like Jesus are we? How hard are we following after Him? To when some look at us and they see, yeah, the carnality and, and the, the humanity is there, but they can also look a little closer and say, yes, that person, you know, is really a, a true believer and they, they believe really what they're trying to do and they're struggling and uh, we respect them and we recognize that they are followers, maybe afar off, but still following. That's better than not being a follower, but we don't want to be a far off follower. We want to be a close up follower. Let's go to um, the last point is uh, some direct warnings of wrong fellowship, and we started into that, but uh, let me continue here. In Second Peter, we've got a couple of verses here. Second Peter, two one. 
Second Peter. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. False prophets. Now we're hearing a lot today about the Mayan calendar and about the prophecy here that the, the next phase of that is, uh, I think it's December 21, isn't it? Where the world is going to come to an end. And a lot of people are buying into that. You remember a few years ago, the millennium change at December 30, 30 days of September, April, June, and November, December 31st to January 1st. You remember that? When everybody had stocking up and they were thinking the What's going to happen, you know, uh, was it Y2, Y2K or something like that, you know? And there were a lot of people that were really concerned and thought maybe there wouldn't be. Maybe it would just end, and that would be it. Now, cunningly devised fables, foolish things that we buy into, we don't as Christians. And especially, we need to be those who are explaining the scriptures, myself, and I challenge you to check up what I'm saying if it doesn't harmonize with the scriptures. And I don't mind a question, you know, why did you say that? What does it mean? What is the, why was that uh, uh, scripture used? Just to check out and to make sure that we're hearing the word right and make sure that everyone that stands in this pulpit should be willing to be challenged and to be corrected where necessary. If they misspeak, you know, there's sometimes a person just misspeaks will say, uh, like the old, the old question that you have, uh, and you can stump people when you start getting into Bible questions. How many clean beasts, uh, clean animals, did Moses take on the ark? Who? Moses? No, Noah! See, you can misspeak and test people and check them out. And if they, they, heard Moses, they heard Noah, but you said Moses. So that's why sometimes up here, if you hear something, why did you say that or you misspoke? Or, uh, and I've got back to, to home later and I say, why did I say that? I didn't mean to say that uh, or I left that out or I put that in or I wasn't planning on saying it that way. And uh, so... Even though the scriptures tell us that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, still there were times, even Jesus when he was uh, listing the Ten Commandments, didn't list them in the exact order. He listed them out of order several times. And uh, just showed that, you know, he got them all in, but he got them in the different order than we have learned. And he's the one that gave them, wrote them with his hand, gave them to Moses on the uh, tablets of uh, stone that he gave to Moses. And yet Jesus himself, when he was speaking, got them in different order than we know them as 1 through 10. Second Peter 2, 1. I read that one, uh, verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. We see that happening more and more today. Now, pernicious is, uh, it means destructive, evil, malicious, wicked, 
ruinous, hurtful, unhealthy. Now, go back to the, uh, well, while, while we're in Peter, let's go to verse 15 in Second Peter. We won't have to, then, then we're going to Proverbs. Uh, verse 15, which has forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. You go back, you remember the whole story. Balaam was hired by King Balak. He was hired by him to curse Israel. And he never could get it straight because God would override his curses and turn them into blessings. But still, he loved the wages. He did it for hire. We have to ask ourselves, why is this leader leading? Is it for the money? Is it for the paycheck? Is it for the prestige? What is his motive? Is it to help me? Is it to lead me to Christ? We have, these are really honest, hard evaluations that we have to make. And the challenge, and so every leader would be challenged to prove that he is a follower of Jesus Christ, a follower of God, and is leading someone in the right way. And their fellowship, principle, concept is directed to God and directed to Christ. Now, Proverbs... Back in uh, a couple of uh, Proverbs. 12, 11. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. But he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. He that follows... Now... Listen, there are leaders in this world, political, religious, economic, that are leading. God even says the leaders are leading the people astray. The leaders, because they can get away with it and because the people don't challenge. And we know even when we look at the world today, we see uh, some freedom-loving people around this world are trying to challenge their evil leaders and it's causing, costing them a lot of their lives by the thousands sometimes in their nation. And our heart goes out to that. And we long for the day when the true leader, Jesus Christ, is going to be on this earth and all that's going to be ended and all those people are going to have hope and truth and wonderful and come up in their resurrection and have a great... Uh, millennial type blessing where they can know the truth and be taught the truth wouldn't that be great if the truth of Jesus Christ and the commandments the laws of God could be available in mass to this whole world well one day it is and that's a wonderful truth that we have that we just look forward to but people who uh, are following vain persons are void of understanding if they have, and sometimes they do it. Uh, they don't have any choice. Their children are persecuted, killed, murdered, blown up, bombs burned. Look at what happened just in the last couple of days on the news of evil that's um, there in um, Connecticut. Proverbs the twenty-eighth chapter, verse nineteen. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons 
shall have poverty enough. Very similar to what we read uh, earlier there. Now, in uh, Judges, we won't turn there. We're running out of time a little bit here, but it talks about those who followed after other gods, other religions, other gods, and the true God. In Luke, the 20, in Luke, the 17th chapter, verse 20 through, 22 through 24. Let's go there, Luke 17. Closing scripture, one more after this, pardon me. Luke 17. Haven't had a lot of humor today, a lot of jokes. This is a serious subject. I hope we all take it serious in the uh, attitude that is being presented today. Luke 17, 22. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lightens out of the one part under heaven shines unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. So some are going to say, Well, it's a secret coming. Secret, the rapture has occurred, or he's over here, or, you know. We will not be fooled because we know that when he returns, when he comes, for as the lightning of verse 24 that lightens out of the one part under heaven shines under the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Remember the angel said, as he departs, as he went up to heaven, so he shall come again. He's going to come visibly to this earth. And so we won't be fooled and saying, you know, there's a secret. You know, Jesus is over here secretly. He came in, uh, say, what was it, 1844? No, he didn't come in 1844. That was a great disappointment. So then we'll call it the um, cleansing of the sanctuary in heaven. Since he didn't come to earth in 1844. And then in 1914 he was to come, but he didn't come. And then in uh, 2000, whatever, uh, the preacher said he was going to, well, he changed that from May of a few years ago to October. He still didn't come. So when he comes, this world is going to know it. It is going to be earth-shaking and horrendous and terrible and great and wonderful when he comes. So we don't need to be fooled and follow somebody that says, you know, come with me and we'll go over here and we'll hide out in this cave and then when he comes secretly, he'll catch us away, you know. He's going to take the evil away. He's going to leave the righteous. We're going to inherit this earth. We're going to stay here and clean it up. That's, that's where the problem is. Not, we don't have to go up to heaven and clean heaven, clean the sanctuary up there. That's clean. That's holy. This is where the problem is. Okay, closing. I mentioned earlier that uh, to be a good leader, you must first be a good follower. So let's ask ourselves if we are considered a leader, am I a good follower?
Do I follow right? Do I follow good? Do I follow Christ? How hard? How true? How sincere am I following God? And am I relating that in my example, in my life? And am I directing and in the things that I say? Do I tell other people, that's the way, that's the way to follow. This is the standard. This is the way. Now, if somebody is telling you something different than that, you better not be following them. You better get away from them as quickly as you can. Run and get away. The best, most correct way is always follow God. You've heard me say that. Follow God. According to this word here, according to those who proclaim it in truth and who live it, follow their example as they follow Christ. Next is carefully following a man or a group. Carefully examining asking. It's all right to challenge, to say, why do you believe that? Uh, Why did you say that from the pulpit? Why did you read that scripture that way? I challenge you in this congregation to challenge me and to challenge everyone else that comes up here. Why? How? What's the truth? Isn't that fair? Isn't that the way it should be? And nobody up here myself, should be intimidated or concerned or careful or have a problem with having that challenge. I challenge every one of you, ask me, is, why did you say that? Now let's carry that forward and anybody that comes up here in this pulpit and says, this is the way, brethren, walk ye in it. If it's contrary to the scriptures, reject it and challenge the person. That's fair. I think that's good. Character qualities like humility, meekness, goodness, right judgment, right conduct, cooperation. These character attitudes are necessary for correct fellowship. Now, in closing scripture, let's go to 1 Thessalonians the fifth chapter and verse 15. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 See that none render evil for evil unto any man. We're not a militant church. We don't take up our guns. We don't take up our swords. We don't force you. We don't control anybody. But but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. To every man, to society. If the society, if the government, if the neighborhood, if the city, if the state, if the nation says, this is what we want you to do as citizens. If it's good, follow it. Now, a lot of nations don't have that freedom, do they? A lot of communist nations don't have the freedom and a lot of false religious dominated nations don't have the freedom that we have in our beloved America. And so we have freedom to follow that in the nation or not, if we have a reason. We have freedom in the congregation to follow that, if not. I'm speaking very plain today, aren't I? And some of you may or may not like it. I don't care. I do care. But I'm saying without reservation 
challenge, know, follow those who lead correctly. And we'll be blessed. And we'll benefit from it.